Let's pray. Oh God, what they just sang is what we pray. I want to walk in the light. I want to walk with Jesus. So shine. Father, shine into this moment. Shine with all your glory. May we get it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Once upon a time, there was a man who inherited a very beautiful, sprawling vineyard. Inherited it from his daddy, who inherited it from his father, who inherited it from his father, and all the way back. And one hot, sunny afternoon, he's strolling those rolling aisles that you just saw, tasting the fruit admiring the foliage, and probably singing the doxology in his heart that we sang just a few moments ago, praise God from whom all blessings flow. This is my vineyard. I inherited this. I can't believe it. When all of a sudden, I tell you the truth, standing right in front of him, in all his regal majesty, is the capital K king, the king of the country. And the king breaks into a smile as he sees the owner startled. Listen, my friend, don't be startled. Don't. <laughs> Listen, I have a proposition. That's what I want to make to you, a proposition. My palace is a stone's throw away. I've been looking out the window and thinking, you know what? I would love to plant a vegetable garden here. So here's the deal. Don't tell me that you're going to offer to offer to me for nothing. No, no, no. I will pay. I'll pay handsomely. And I tell you what, if you'd rather have another vineyard anywhere in this country, you get it. Just say the word. Now, question, will you sell me the vineyard? <laughs> Long live the king, your majesty. Uh, that's quite a proposition. Your majesty, you know, you know the laws of our religion, and I'm not allowed to take my ancestral heritage and transfer it to another tribe. So, so you're, you're not going to sell me this vineyard? Oh, yes, your majesty, I will not. And the king began to cry, almost spoiled brat that he was. Open your Bible with me, please. First Kings chapter 21, tale number two from the vineyard. Last week, Noah, the drunk. This week, twisted tale, I'm sorry to tell you. First Kings chapter 21, I'll be in the NIV. You can read any translation that you brought along. Didn't bring a Bible, grab the pew Bible in front of you. Uh, 1 Kings 21, verse 1, sometime later, there was an incident involving a vineyard belonging to Naboth, the Jezreelite. The vineyard was in Jezreel, close to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And Ahab said to Naboth, let me have your vineyard for use as a vegetable garden, since it's close to my palace. In exchange, I will give you a better vineyard, or if you prefer, I will pay you whatever it's worth. Verse 3, but Naboth replied, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my ancestors. So Ahab went home, verse 4, sullen and angry because Naboth, the Jezreelite, had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my ancestors. And he laid on his bed, sulking, and he refused to eat. 
Did somebody say spoiled brat? <laughs> Grown-up king. Can you believe this? Pouting and sulking because someone had the temerity to say no to him. Obviously, his parents never said no to him. <laughs> Finally, when the king doesn't show up for supper, where is he? The queen, the wicked, wily Queen Jezebel, goes in search of her missing husband. He's in bed, pouting. And she speaks. What is this, verse 5? So his wife Jezebel came in and asked him, Why are you so sullen? Why won't you eat? He answered her, Because I said to Naboth the Jezreelite, Sell me your vineyard, and if you prefer, I'll give you another vineyard in its place. But he said, I will not give you my vineyard. Jezebel, his wife, said, verse 7, Is this how you act as the king of Israel? Grow up. Cheer up. Get up and eat, <laughs> because I'm going to get you that vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. And so the wily, wicked queen Jezebel gets a hold of Ahab's personal stamp, grabs some parchments, scribbles out a message to all the civic leaders in the town where Naboth lives, stamps them, serve it. Oh, what did she say in the letter? Oh, drop down to verse 9. In those letters she wrote, proclaim a day of fasting and seat Naboth in a prominent place among the people, but seat two scoundrels opposite him and have them bring charges that he has cursed both God and the king, and then you take him out and you stone him to death. The letter's gone. And guess what? It happens exactly as that woman in power dictates. Because people are afraid to stand up to a bellicose leader who threatens to ruin them if they do not give him what he asks or her. So the town elders buckle, the scoundrels perjure themselves, and Naboth stoned and dead. Then the elders send a message back. What is this? Verse 14. Then they sent word to Jezebel. Naboth has been stoned to death. And by the way, if you read 2 Kings chapter 9, you find out that they not only stoned Naboth to death, they stoned all his sons as well. Nobody's going to now come up and say, by the way, I'm next in kin. Nope, there's nobody to lay claim. Wow. Verse 15, and as soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned to death, she said to Ahab, get up, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, that he refused to sell you. Guess what? He's no longer alive but dead. And when, ah when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, he got up and went down to take possession of Naboth's vineyard. I want to tell you something about Jezebel. She's an apocalyptic symbol in the New Testament. She's so bad that she makes it into the Bible at the end, in the book of Revelation, when there will be another Jezebel who will rise up. She, like the wicked queen Jezebel the first, brings her rank and immoral paganism and through her alliance and marriage with a believing king of Israel, she infects, she poisons the entire nation 
until the pure religion of the nation is subsumed, contaminated, corrupted by a dangerous syncretism where immorality can become an offense against innocent young. Syncretism. Bring it all together and make it look hunky-dory when it's sick to the core. That's Jezebel. And Elijah? Oh, yep, there's an Elijah in this story. Verse 17, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. We're talking about the man from Mount Carmel. You remember that? All 400, what was it? 400 plus 450. 850 priests of Baal arrayed against him. Kneels down. Fire descends from heaven. Nukes the summit of Mount Carmel. Proving the God of Israel is still the living God and creator. That's the same Elijah. Bushy bearded. Camel haired. Prophet. Who himself becomes a symbol of a generation at the end of time who will be called the Elijah generation. You know why they're called the Elijah generation? Because this generation will have the guts to stand up to a Jezebel also at the end of time. And this generation will say, here we stand. So help us, God. Oh, there'll be, there'll be the showdown. One day, even in America, there will be a showdown. Ahab, corrupted religion. Jezebel, rank corruption and a nation at the crossroads. So God shows up to Elijah. He says, Elijah, you're not going to believe this. Yep, there, here comes the message now. Verse 18, I want you to go, to go down and meet Ahab, the king of Israel, who rules in Samaria. He's now in Naboth's vineyard, where he has gone to take possession of it. And I want you to say to him, this is what the Lord says. Have you not murdered a man and seized his property? Then say to him, this is what the Lord says. In the place where the dogs licked up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood. Yes, yours. And oh, by the way, did I tell you, this tale is not a bedtime story for your children. Why? Because what's happening in this tale, now listen carefully, what's happening in this tale is divine judgment is about to be meted out. Every story doesn't end and they lived happily ever after. Why would God send this message? I mean, this is, this is, this is tough stuff. You know why? Because God is, God is risking a message that tough to elicit a response this desperate. You watch. So there is Ahab strolling the same rolling vineyard aisles. And verse 20 on the screen, and Ahab said to Elijah, so you have found me my enemy. Oops, guilty conscience. You're my enemy. No, 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 Ahab. He's not your enemy, Elijah. He's your friend, the woman. Your consort is your enemy. Elijah is here through the desperation of a final judgment message in hope and prayer that somehow your heart might be arrested. He is your friend to lead you back to God. And Elijah issues the call. You read it there for yourself. Verse 21, verse 22, verse 23, verse 24. Dogs, dogs. 
will consume your blood, will consume Jezebel's blood, will consume the blood of your corrupted family. And if you miss the city and you're out in the country, the birds will eat you. Now, this is so stiff. I want you to notice this in verse 25, that the chronicler, whoever he is, says, hey, hey, reader, I know you're really upset right now at God. I need you to know something. Verse 25, in parentheses, there was never, by the way, remember, reader, there was never anyone like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by Jezebel, his wife. He behaved in the vilest manner by going after idols like the Amorites, which were the height of vice immorality in its worst form, he went after them and said, I'll embrace that into my religion. God sends a message. And oh my, look at verse 27. You can't believe it. Verse 27, come on. When Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and fasted, and he lay in sackcloth and went around meekly. That's why God uses judgment messages. That's why he warns people. That's why he says, if you keep this up, you're going to end in a rotten story. He did it to Nineveh, and it worked. He did it to Ahab, and it worked. Some people are always trying to defend God's reputation by saying, oh, skip the judgment part. Skip the judgment part. Never skip the judgment part. That's the part that works. And it worked. And Ahab now is dust, sackcloth, and ashes, and he's bowing, weeping before God, have mercy on me. And God comes back to Elijah, and he says, time out. Change of plan. Verse 28. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Have you noticed, verse 29, how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he's humbled himself. I will not bring this disaster in his day, but I will bring it on his house in the days of his son. God's soft heart, can you believe that, is actually touched by the tears of a repentant, repentant evil monarch. And God calls off the dogs, literally, and delays the judgment. Wow. Because of Ahab's genuine tears of repentance, amazing story of amazing, amazing grace. What do you say? Amazing grace. No man, no woman, we now know the truth. No one can sink so low that she, that he is beyond the reach of God's saving grace and redeeming love, to which I say, amen. Amen. The truth. Because it's the truth of the vineyard. Interestingly enough, the vineyard Ahab stole offers the very hope Ahab needs. Jesus talked about the vineyard just before they executed him. Turn to the New Testament now. We got the tale, but let's, is there any point to this? Turn to the New Testament. John chapter 15, less than 24 hours before Jesus will be dead and buried at this time tomorrow night. This is Passover night. This is, this is Thursday. This is full moon, silver shadows. Jesus is making his way to Gethsemane. He stops by a trellis and he says, hey, guys, come here, come here, come here, come here. I want to show you something. I want to teach you something. And he points to the trellis and he speaks. John chapter 15, bright red letters in mine. John 15, verse 1, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. Verse 4. Remain or abide in me as I also remain, as I abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. 
It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse five, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing, nothing. Wow. One of the great devotional writers of the 19th century, his name, Andrew Murray, wrote a book. If I, if, I had, if I could give the book to everybody, I'd give the book to you. It's called Abiding in Christ. He makes such a profound point that I still can't, I still, I still can't comprehend its depth, but I want to share the profound point with you, and then I'll sit down. Andrew Murray. You got a study guide? Yes, you do. There's a study guide in your worship bulletin. Pull it out right now. Study guide in your worship bulletin. We're going to go, those of you watching on uh, live stream, watching on television somewhere, somewhere, we're glad to have you. I'll put the, put the website on the screen for you. You see it there right now, www.newperceptions.tv. You're looking for a new series called Tales from a Vineyard. Title of this particular segment, Cry Baby, Cry. When you go there, click onto that, you'll have the study guide, the identical one we have. Now, here's, here's a sentence to kind of set up Murray's four arguments that he will use to bolster this provocative point that comes only at the end. All right? J- jot this down. In your study guide, Andrew Murray, so close is the union between the vine and the branch, speaking of Jesus' teaching, that each is nothing, write in nothing, please, that each is nothing without the other, that each is holy and only for the other. Okay? Good. Four bolstering arguments now. Here they come. Jot them down. One, two, three, four. Number one, without the vine, the branch can do nothing. I mean, that's a no-brainer. Come on. We just saw it. If there's no vine there, what are the branches? Zero, nada, nothing. you You can't exist. That's the first point. Without the vine, the branch can do nothing. Apart from me, Jesus says, come on, come on, guys. Apart from me, zero. You can't do it. Apart from me, without me. I mean, you think about Jesus, this pearl of great price. I mean, what's up with that? There, there, there would be no conviction of sin if it weren't for Jesus. You and I just keep drinking the poison until we die. We wouldn't know the difference. And if there were no conviction of sin, then there could be no repentance. And if there can be no repentance, then there's no forgiveness. We'll just go on self-medicating ourselves with our favorite, favorite drug and just, with, goodbye. And if there's no forgiveness, there's no cleansing. We, li- we, we live with this feeling of filthiness night and day. But Jesus says, I can wash all that away. There'll be no peace. There'll be no fruit. There'll be no, there'll be no hope, no love, no grace, no nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There are four of these. That's the first one. Without the vine, the branch can do nothing. Here comes number two. Jot it down. Without the branch, the vine can also do nothing. Nothing. Now, this is going to catch you by surprise. This keeps going deeper. This will catch you by surprise because you're always thinking about the vine. But you know what? The vine can do nothing without the branch, and you're the branch. Well, go figure. Let's put it on the screen, please. Andrew Murray. A vine without branches, a vine without branches can bear no fruit. No less indispensable than the vine to the branch is the branch to the vine. Come on. Such is the wonderful condescension of the grace of Jesus that just as his people, you and I, are as we're dependent on him, he has made himself, jot it down, dependent on us. Figure that one. He dependent on us, please. Without his disciples, he cannot dispense. Oh, he cannot dispense his blessing to the world. He cannot offer sinners the grapes of the heavenly Canaan. Every 
every good gift that God longs to give to every man, woman, and child on this planet, guess what? If he has nobody there to grow the fruit, they'll never get it. You want to reach a, you want to reach a secular? You want to reach an atheist? You just live your relationship with Jesus because that's how atheists are reached. They're not reached by somebody proving something from the Bible. They're reached because they say, that man has something that I want. That woman is, there's something, there's a calm inside of her soul, and I want that. That's what leads them to, the fruit is what draws them to the vine. You're not the big deal. The vine's a big deal. Wow. Okay, number three. There are only four of these. Number three, all the vine possesses... Oh, this is something. All the vine possesses belongs to the branches. Everything the vine possesses, it's yours. Come on. On the screen, Andrew Murray, all the vine has is at the disposal of the branches. As the vine is the parent, so the vine is the servant of the branches. All Jesus' fullness and all his riches are for you, O believer. For the vine does not live for itself, keeps nothing for itself, but exists only for the branches. Isn't that amazing? Are you getting that? Amazing. Everything the vine has, I give it to you. Come on, we looked at the pearl under the bed. A hundred million dollars, I give it to you. Everything I am, I give to you. Come on, what is it that you want from Jesus? Oh, I wish Jesus would give me his courage. (laughs) You got it. Just ask him. He has all the courage you need. I wish he would give me his faith and trust. The faith of Jesus, you can have it. It's yours for the asking. I I wish he would give me peace and calm in the midst of this, this, this raging storm I'm going through right now. Just ask for it. He'll get up and he'll say, peace be still. Please, please, storm, stop. All that he has, you may have. Look at this. Desire of Ages on the screen. Having undertaken our redemption, he will spare nothing. Oh, I love this. However dear, which is necessary to the completion of his work. Keep reading. No truth essential to our salvation is withheld. No miracle of mercy is neglected. No divine agency is left unemployed. Here it comes. Favor is heaped upon favor, gift upon gift. Last line, the whole treasury. Write that in. The whole treasury of heaven is open to those he seeks to save. And by the way, do you know what his greatest gift is? No kidding. Do you know what his greatest gift is? If you want one gift that would give you every every other gift that he has, here's the one gift. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you get the Holy Spirit, you got everything. Put it up, please, the next quotation on the screen. Desire of Ages, page 672. This promised blessing, speaking of the Holy Spirit, brings all of their blessings in its train, in its wake, according to the riches of the grace of Christ. One gift gives you everything. Man, if I knew that were true, I'd be asking for that gift every morning. Me too. Why wouldn't you ask? Okay, there are only four of these. Here comes, here comes number four. Just as all the vine possesses belongs to the branches, turn, turn around's fair play. Finally, number four, and all the branch possesses belongs to the vine. Now keep reading. Andrew Murray again. The branch does not exist for itself. It exists to bear fruit that can proclaim the excellence of the vine. That vine in France, isn't that something? That's a very special vine, and they've kept it going 400 years. It's so excellent. It It has not reason, the branch has not reason for existence, except to be of service to the vine. As Jesus gives himself so holy over to the believer, the believer feels himself urged to be holy his Lord. Every power of his being, every moment of his life, every thought and feeling belong to Jesus. That from him and for him we may bring forth fruit. End quote. Ah, Dwight, I don't like that. I just don't like that. You know why? Because it makes me, it makes me dependent all the way through. Listen, I worked hard this summer to earn that car that I brought back to university. 
I worked hard all summer long to buy that old heap of junk. Tell me that I don't possess, I don't possess anything. Oh, excuse me. Just one moment. What's that? Oh, that's my heart. Are you keeping it going? No. Don't know how. Oh. Everything you possess. $1.5 million retirement portfolio. Good for you. You've really been working hard. You have that money saved up. $1.5 million. That's mine, by the way, Dwight. I have worked hard for that. Excuse me again, please. What's that? Oh, that's just my heart. You keeping it going? No. All your material possessions. Come on. Who gave you the power to earn them? Oh, forget. Listen, this is a poor university. We can't talk about material possessions. Let's talk about intellectual possessions. Boy, we got some bright minds on this campus. Oh, my, do we ever. All your intellectual abilities, all your intellectual skills, all the intellect, all the knowledge that you've accumulated, all your, all your giftedness, your talent. You got it from him. You got it from him. That means any talent that you have, he says, I'm going to give it to that boy. I'm going to give it to that girl. You know why? Because I know where she's going. And in, and in her life, she will need this to be what I need her to be. Every intellectual gift you have came from him. He's dreamed about you for centuries. You believe that? He has dreamed about you for centuries. He has set generations in motion so that one day it would create the DNA that is you. Your mommy and daddy, he's been working on that line for generations. He had to get your mommy and daddy, I don't care how accidental it was, he had to get your mommy and daddy together to get you because you are a combination. Through eternity, he has dreamed of possessing. I'm going to show you that one second. So you belong to him. He has invested everything for you to live and to use the gifts that you have. And is there, is there a more gifted campus in the world than the Andrews University campus? All those gifts for here. Okay, there they are, four, four, four bolstering arguments. Now comes the profound point. I'll share this with you, then I'll sit down. Here's the profound point. I'm going to let Andrew Murray make the point himself. Final fill in the blank. There it is at the bottom. There they are. And these are now his words, these four. He summarizes them. Now let your answer be, in the light of this, let your answer be, Amen, Lord. So be it. Now here comes a line that I still can't, I can't, I can't fathom this. From eternity, Christ and I were meant we were ordained. We were meant for each other. Inseparably, we belong to each other. It is God's will. I shall abide in Christ. Can you believe that? No, seriously. Maybe it's not centuries ago God began planning you. Maybe it is from eternity. And he knew the configurations that would finally produce you. Everything you have belongs to him because he's equipping you to be the most successful you beyond your wildest dreams to be that kind of success on this planet. It's all from me. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. We'll get along famously. We will be inseparable. And that's the word that made me stop. Man, oh man, oh man. We will be inseparable. We belong to each other. Do I do you understand that? You and me, we belong to each other. I knew you were coming. 
I've been working on this for generations. You're here. We belong. You put your name in it. We belong to each other. I can't figure it out. I have no way to explain this. I just know that on the way to his execution, Jesus stopped at a midnight vineyard. And he said, hey, guys, look at this. You and me. Forever. Do you understand that? Forever. You connected to me. Me connected to you. I don't understand that. And I don't know that you realize how profound this teaching is. And I must tell you, I absolutely realize I am unable to communicate how utterly essential this discovery today is for you. I I just can't do it. I, I just can't. Somebody will have to do it to you. Somebody will have to do it in your mind. It's his business. But here's what I know. I know that the daily baptism of the Holy Spirit is the only way Jesus can abide in me and I can abide in him. Only through the daily baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's no other way. No other way. And if that's the case, and he's planned, he's planned for you for eternity, and now you're here, girl. Boy, now you're here. If that's the case, and this is the only way, then ask for it. Pray this little prayer every day, and you'll be asking for the daily baptism of the Holy Spirit. We had it on the screen last week. May I return it before I sit down? Put it on the screen, please. Here's the prayer. Lord, please abide in me, and please let me abide in you. That's it. Just ask. Simple, of course. You know my problem? I'll tell you. When somebody comes and tells me, hey, Dwight, I got this, re- I got this plan. If the plan is simple, if the plan is simple, I'm just telling you about me. I immediately dismiss it. You can't make life. You cannot simplify life that way. Because our complicated world has taught us to believe that it's only in complication that progress is made. It's not true. It's simple. Let me abide in you, and you abide in me. And we, we will be inseparable for eternity. I promise you. Can you put that prayer back on the screen one more time, please. Lord, please abide in me. And please let me abide in you. Pray that prayer. Morning, noon, night, whatever. Pray that prayer every day and you will never be the same again. I promise you. That's the little I have found out. You'll never be the same. Take the connect card, please. It is in your worship bulletin. I'm going to sing a hymn and go home. But first, the connect card. Pull it out, please. It's there in your bulletin. To the backside, it says, my next step today. Let's look down these boxes. Box number one, I want to abide in Christ continually. Me too. Go ahead and put a check mark there. It's just for you. It makes... Look, if you just put the check mark there and you tell it to yourself and you throw the card away, that's okay with me. You'll have told yourself, man... I want to abide. I'll pray that prayer every day. What was that prayer again? You have to write it down. I'll pray that prayer. Lord, please abide in me and I in you. Box number two, please send me your seven steps to a daily abiding in Jesus. If you put a check mark there and your email address on the other side of this card with your name, we will electronically send you away every day seven steps. You will daily abide in Jesus and he will daily abide in you. I promise you. So if you ask for it, you'll get it. Box number three, I want to follow Jesus in baptism. 
Well, why not? You haven't been baptized? I got great news for you. He's ready for you when you're ready for him. Come on. All that, all that I have is yours and all that you have is mine. He's ready. You and he are like this. He's been planning on this forever. Put a check mark there. We'll be in touch with you. Just give an email address. That's all we need. We'll be in touch with you. You won't be baptized next week. You'll set the calendar. Box number four, I want to be, I want to lead a grow group. Pastor Roddy just talking about grow groups a moment ago. Till Wednesday, we're taking grow group submissions. Come on. You and a friend have a particular interest, you'll be fine. You, you say, Dwight, I need courage, man. I, how could I lead a grow, grow group? Just ask Jesus. He's got the courage. You, you'll do famously. You and Jesus, inseparable. But please turn it in. Uh, box number four, uh, five, rather, I want to pray the seven great prayer needs of Pioneer and Andrews this new year. We did a prayer cloud. People all wrote in what, the seven, what they think the seven should be. We did a prayer cloud and found out what the top seven were. Wednesday night, house of prayer. We're going we're to share that uh, list. Wednesday night, house of prayer, 7 o'clock. You can come in the morning, 7 a.m. We'll share that list. If you put your email address on the other side and you check box five, I'll send you a memo every week to let you know, hey, come on over. Let's pray. All right? That's it. I want to invite the ushers to stand. And I want to pray. I want to ask God to take all of this and make sense of it for all of us. Dear Jesus, you are the vine, we are the branches. We got it. We got it. Stay connected. We got it. Apart from you, we can do nothing. We got it. Just help us to keep it. If you've been planning for centuries for us to be connected with you, please, don't let us break your heart. It wasn't in vain. You got, you got us. And show us how to stay. Stay connected. Vine and branch, branch and vine. Our little gifts we return now, they're for you. We got it all from you anyway. Bless it, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.